Hello and welcome back to the edition podcast. I'm your host, as ever, Charlotte Henry. Um, normally I try and spread out appearances of my lovely guests, but sometimes I've got to haul them back in because something massive is happening. Uh, and that's why Sean McNulty has been grabbed back in. Hello, Sean. How are you? Uh, um, thanks for grabbing me. Nice to see you. It's great to see you. Now, the big, big news we have to discuss is the ongoing writer's strike that's affecting Hollywood, that's affecting, well, you can explain what it's affecting, but let's go back to the beginning. You've covered a lot of this over at The Ankler, but explain to my listeners who might not have been following it as closely as you guys at The Ankler, what the writer's strike in America currently is. So the writers went on strike uh, essentially May 2nd, so we're over a month into the strike now, uh, recording here the first week of June. Um, and to be clear, we're talking about TV writers, movie writers, the people that write the stuff that we like to watch. Yes, screenwriters of all kinds. Uh, so anything TV or film related and a few other you know extraneous things. But um, yes, so, uh, you know, uh, the, the deal comes up every three years. Uh, every guild does. There's a DGA, which is directors, uh, SAG after, which is actors and writers guild, which is WGA. Um, all three have deals coming up. The DGA, the directors just struck a deal. So they, uh, were, you know, they, they've avoided going on strike. SAG after begins on June 7th for their negotiations. Their deals up June 30th. So it's a three week tight timeline there. WGA went on strike on May 2nd. Uh, they are not currently negotiating with the studios. Those, those negotiations broke off, uh, Hence the strike, because that was about a month ago, and um, the uh, the studios, which we are called the the, the organization, that is called the AMPTP. <laughs> so that's like things like what Warner Brothers, Netflix, Warner Brothers, Universal, Netflix, Apple, Amazon, you know, so major streamers and uh, major studios in Hollywood. So they, they collectively negotiate as the AMPTP. Uh, the AMPTP and the WGA are not speaking right now, um, or not negotiating right now. And certainly the studios are focusing on SAG, as you know, as I said, to get that done. So the writer's strike will continue, you know, ostensibly continue for the near future until the SAG uh, situation either goes on strike or gets resolved. The writers are generally striking for two things, your, your initial question. Um, one being just, uh, I'll say, more money. Um, uh, there's a structural problem in television writing, essentially, versus feature writing. It's really in the TV business where the where the pain is being felt and the issues are exist where the model has really shifted. I would say kind of toward the UK model where seasons are six, eight, ten mm. episodes. They're not the thirteen to twenty two that we used to do all the time in America, which the UK has done as far as yeah. I know for decades. Yeah, right? we I mean, kind that's... of touched on that when you were last on the show. Actually, didn't we? Mm. That we were saying there's much longer seasons uh, of your shows over there. Let's. Right. So there's a few issues because I've been following your coverage about sure. what the spike is. So uh, the strike is about. So let, let's break it down a little bit. The first thing we should clarify is the WGA, Writers Guild of America. That's essentially the trade union of people who work in screenwriting. Correct. So that's where the collective bargaining is. As you say, the contract they have with the studios comes up every three years. And uh, it's fair to say quite a lot has changed in TV and film over the last three years and will continue to change over the coming three years. Hence the, and the last one was negotiated in 2020, which was right in the middle of COVID. So there was no, you know, they essentially lost a bargaining window. So it's essentially you're talking about six years if you want to be real practical about the time, the time lapse here. And six years is even more of a, you know, a, a time change in the business. If you want to, put We've had about context. 25 new streaming services in that time. So, uh, yep. And probably some have folded in that time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The price has definitely gone up. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, 
as I understand it, and you can correct me on all the things I get wrong, some of the things that writers are concerned about are what you call s- or small writers' room. So shows are created by writers, um, a team of writers in a room working together to come up with ideas. And my understanding is that studios have tried to cut down on the number of people in those writers' rooms. This obviously is not great for writers because it just limits the amount of things people can work on. That, as I understand it, is one issue. Another issue, as I understand it, is that um, the writers are sort of being held on the smaller series you talk about when there's less episodes, but they're still not being able to get go and do other jobs during the time. And, of course, the other one that seems to be coming out is everyone's scared of AI. Sure. Well, that's that's every industry, certainly. It's not a debit right. to the writers, but uh, it's certainly on the list, and the writers are the first – uh, you know, in terms of what's gonna, what's AI going to replace, mm-hmm. writing is probably your first, uh, outside of, say, graphics or design, you know, actors are probably a little further off, and an AI-directed movie is probably <laughs> even further off, so the writers are kind of front, they see themselves as frontline front and probably aren't correct in that assessment. Right, exactly. So have I got those three things right? Are there things I've missed? Are those the things that are sort of concerning the writers right now? Yeah, and there's there's a in addition to the we call the mini rooms over here, the smaller writer rooms. Um, is that writers don't stay with the show for a season anymore? So you'll come to do a, a mini room and kind of call break the scripts or you know break the story, essentially setting the plot lines for the episodes, and then uh, generally they'll be assigned to write and so on and so forth. But they're not staying on through production. Which, if you've ever been in TV production, what you write is not necessarily what ends up on the screen. <laughs> so you get on set and you're like, "This isn't working," you know. So you rewrite and you you, know, you yeah. learn how to what we call show run a show, be a showrunner yeah. here. And with these mini rooms, you're just in the writing process and you're not following the show through its production, just to the nature of what this the the nature of what mini rooms are. You're not, and again, you're not doing. 20 episodes a year, 13 episodes a year, where it's a, almost a year-long cycle or maybe a 10-month cycle where it's a, essentially a full-time job for a year where you're coming on maybe for two months, maybe three months for a mini-room, and that's it. And the show goes off and shoots, and the showrunner has to be as the, as the only person on the set. The showrunner is also a writer to address these on-the-set concerns where before they would have other writers on staff to help out. So that's kind of a tied into that mini-room issue. It's not just the mini-room itself, but also what it means for production at large because the writers still want to be involved through well, they to, need the end. to be i mean are you going to argue the quality is going to yeah. be better and that's also it's that the apprentice system uh cheryl would have like that's how you learn yeah. to really deliver a show versus anybody can not anybody but you can write a script but can you make that script deliver into the product yeah. that you envision is a whole other set of you know b- yeah. ball, set of rules there and this issue of restriction on what else you can work on Right. So look, just because you're ordering eight episodes instead of 13 doesn't mean it won't take as long to write them. Um, and that's one thing, too. So you're only <laughs> you're writing for, and, and, and pay in TV, you know, it's generally by the week. And then also by episode, you get a fee for an episode. So the fewer episodes you order, the fewer fees out there and their material. They're, you know, $30,000 for a minimum or, you know, those kinds of things. It's not like it's, you know, $5,000 or something like that. It's it's a uh, you know, and that that also you get residuals for episodes that you write. So that continues on down the chain. So when there yeah. are fewer episodes being written, your opportunity as a writer to make money is, you know, again, you can see that the walls closing in on you here yeah. a little bit. Uh, and that becomes a problem as well. And and, but you can also not you're you don't have to see it sees it's we call it series, series one, series two, season one, season two. We call it in the States here. You know, you're 
I have an obligation to contract with that show to come back. And, uh, you know, you can't, uh, you're not getting paid what you were to work on that show to begin with, where before it was a 10 month gig, you'd make your yearly annual salary where now if you get a quote unquote, a job on a show writing that may not cover your year. Um, from a financial point of view, especially and living the, in Los Angeles. Right. But it's equally, there might be limitations on what else you can do. So yes, right. show one might take you three to yep. six months to work on, but you're still restricted. You can't really go and yeah. work on show two. Because show one may come back for the next season and then you can't be working on another show, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So some issues there. Um, the AI issue, we can all understand if they're already trying to make writing rooms smaller and spend less money on the writers you can imagine some clever top level studio exec going why do we need humans to write this surely chat gpt can at least write some of it and yeah then- and it's also kind of what's what material is based on where right. if it, you had a free idea out there and you have something with oh can you turn this into a script and you know so based on something that they got for free which instead of paying the I don't six seven figures to a, a book or a, a spec script or whatever. There's more that's probably that source material. I think is the main point of concern. I think uh, you know, and where AI can get to. It's like if you want, if you want to predict where AI is going to be, it's a three year deal, right? So where's AI going to be in 2026? You know, be my guest. So it's having some protections or as to where this might go, or at least some understandings that uh you know humans have to be involved and uh, the dga did get some language in their deal saying you know things can only be directed by humans not ai and you know there's some protections in there existing it's just a matter of uh, putting something in there now that quite frankly makes everybody feel better i don't know no one's like here's the exact proposal but doing nothing feels like a bad move for the wga right now yeah it's acknowledging that there could be an issue in trying to at least remove as many loopholes as possible loophole exactly loopholes is a key word exactly right yeah um and because that's one of the things that the wga wants the writers want isn't it that basically you can't replace any of the people in the room with ai if the people in the room want to use some ai well right exactly there's a two-sided coin there where can it be used as ai a tool or is ai a replacement and no one no one has answered this question clearly and ai will be a replacement for some jobs you're already seeing that in copywriting in the u.s a lot a lot of companies are, you know, dropping freelance copywriters sure. and things like that. These words, but if the job, that job, can be done by a computer, it's like okay. Then the, WGA is not writing copy for ads; they're writing scripted materials. Different, but the principle is certainly there to 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 be examined. Yeah, and you've of course, yeah, the argument, and I think it's a really strong one, is that however clever AI is now and may get in three yeah. six years time, totally. you can't replace the creativity and humanity of. Uh, you know, real life humans. I mean, exactly. we were just slightly joking about the succession uh, finale before, mm. because of course we were. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the idea that someone could have, like a AI large language model could have guided and come up with some of those one-liners is impossible to imagine. It is, but you know, you want to feed all the succession scripts into a bot and see what it comes up with. You might be surprised. I have no idea. Sure, you know? but it needed uh, a human first. Uh, yes, it did. And th- that's exactly right. So, you know, how do you compensate that? It's not coming with, it's not being based on nothing. You fed the scripts in. It's based on it, it you know, yeah. in, in, among other things. So, again, attribution is going to be another big issue in AI in terms of it's fine to do this stuff on your own. When, but once you start making money from something, yeah, then it's like, um, no, you know, it's back to like sampling and music way back in the 80s, yeah. you know, where it's like, yeah, the, initially that was not, that was, not it was legal it wasn't regulated you know people were doing it 
and no one was getting paid for it. And then the mid eighties are like, yeah, uh, you got to pay us when you're using our uh, music beat in your songs and yeah. making money off of it, you know? So, yeah. I just can't imagine chat GPT coming up with the line. Hey, Buddha, nice Tom Fords. <laughs> it never seems to astound me, but yes, exactly. I don't think, uh, Which I, we're not I think probably is still the great line from that show, but I could probably dig up some others as well. Yeah. Little Greglet and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I mean, Max, obviously, Succession Street or Max, but let, let's talk about streaming because obviously that is one of the core, core bones of contention, isn't it, in this negotiation, not negotiation? Um, because you mentioned residuals earlier, and as, again, correct me when I'm wrong, as I understand it, the writers, this is je- writers in general, this is not just American WGA writers, this is writers around the world, TV writers around the world, are basically getting paid less residuals by the streamers it's limiting what they're earning first of all why is that and then how is this playing out sure the rates for residuals you know again this is a business that was based on broadcast television which has different rates than streaming and there's as you know less broadcast television being made and more of it is you know going to streaming so uh the bigger thing it seems to be foreign streaming and also that counts you in the uk uh in terms of the <laughs> yes. us uh but and that the, the the dga when they settled their deal the their one of their main issues was increasing payments for foreign residuals which they got a 76 percent increase essentially from the largest uh so i watch friends on netflix here in the uk yep someone wants to get paid properly for it paid properly for it and then the growth in you know asia pacific and all the everywhere else in the world and as you know those services charge different amounts in different parts of the world. So the India subscription is much different than the UK subscription. And, you know, so it's not a one size fits all, but from, again, from that six, six years ago point, the business has gone far more global far, you know, so that's a big catch up point of, yeah, we need to reflect that too, because before if a show sold internationally, it wouldn't be us streaming on the services. It would be, you know, if Warner Brothers produces friends that's owned by Warner Brothers television, they sell it to you know, Channel 4 in the UK. They sell it to here. And every time that sale happens, Eight the four. writer gets a check. When it's just streamed on Max Global, that's a different business yeah. model that doesn't provide as much money in the current model. So they are trying to you know figure out what that new compensation might be um, to even yeah, out. Yeah. I'm doing my friend's viewing history now. It was Channel 4 when it was original. <laughs> then it went to E4 where it was just on constantly, obviously owned by Channel 4. And now it's on Comedy Central. Right. And it's on Netflix. So, and it's on Netflix. Sorry, no, in the sorry UK. on Max. Oh, so, no, it's actually not. Where is it on? Where's the stream? It's on Netflix UK? in the UK still. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so it's on Max here since you don't have Max. There you go. Yeah. For, uh, last time I checked, it was still on. Uh, we scroll through my Netflix. So it's still there. Reminded me that I watched all of it. Um, so, yeah, th- this is it's a hugely controversial issue, really, because it's not one of those things where you're like, okay, some writers are on strike. I'm still watching my TV sort it out because. As didn't some of the nightly shows instantly go off air? Jimmy Fallon, they basically couldn't, which are a huge part of American TV viewing culture, suddenly couldn't function anymore because there were no people writing each day. Well, the timing here is actually pretty bad for the writers. Um, the, for the, writers late night, okay. the late night TV shows pretty much go off the air in the summertime and the strike right. happened pretty much at the season. So you're correct and say yes there was no there's no live uh there's no new late night tv show happening but there wouldn't be normally uh okay. because in june they kind of go off the air there's you know kimmel famously you know takes jimmy kimmel who does the abc yeah. show here 
famously takes two months off now. They have guest hosts come in. That's not going to happen. Um, so come July, maybe there's none of that, none of that going on. But um, so right now, no one's again, unless you know, you know, the American public doesn't really, you know, doesn't affect them per se. It's like, yeah, they're always in reruns. And what do you mean they're on strike? You know, they don't know they don't know it in that sense. So so that if it was in February or an election season or things like that, where now it's none of that's going on. So until the fall was when you really kind of noticed that. And then right. you know, the timing here is key because summer is also the time of game shows and reruns and reality TV, which will continue for the next three months here in America. So the timing and the calendar timing of this strike is actually not in the favor of the writers as well. And obviously there are series and seasons that were already ready to go. And the same with movies that were stuff that was ready to go. You know, Spider-Man could still come out. Yeah, movies are definitely something that, whether, you know, they movies generally work on at least a year, if not 18 right. months to two years of a cycle. So you may feel that in later 2024 would be when you probably actually, you know, when the strike will be a distant memory. And, you know, and what's changed since not only 2017, but the last strike was, which was back in 2007, uh, 2008, uh, you know, the stockpile of material, these these streamers, especially the Netflixes and Apples and Amazons have ordered and shot a lot of stuff already. So, uh, you know, you can kind of how long can you quote unquote ride it out is a lot further along because you're not reliant on a fall TV schedule, which 15 years ago, the fall TV schedule was the business. And now it's certainly an important part and will I wrote something about that today in, in the wake up over at the Angler about mm-hmm. that, about you're going to have these studio Hollywood studios who still own TV networks here in the U.S. start to feel this pain of the strike a lot earlier than the Netflixes, Amazon, and Apple, which really uh, can go for quite some time here, ostensibly. We'll see if it hits a they get a subscriber hit. And you have two companies of these of the three there, Amazon and Apple, where this isn't even a, a line item on their earnings report. Like if they mm-hmm. were to pull out of streaming or just go to sports only, like it's. You know, they don't even tell you how much they make, how much they spend on this stuff. So two of the major players here, it's not even a you know a drop in no. the bucket for them. Uh, Apple TV Plus has still put out all of Ted Lasso. Like there's a bunch <laughs> of seasons. Well, do you know what I mean? Like if people yeah. hadn't got to that show because there was a well, strike, people would have yeah. noticed it. If, you know, some of the net, big Netflix series hadn't gone to air because the writers hadn't finished them, we would notice that. But that's just not happened. Yeah. Um, when do you think here in the UK and, you know, internationally more broadly, we're going to start to notice some of the hit of this. Um, International's tough, uh, honestly. Uh, you know, American products still, uh, quote unquote, dominates a lot of markets right. in, a, in a you know pure sense, but local programming in every market is growing uh, and they're investing in this. All this stuff is not affected by this. There's these writers, you know, the UK, the writers are not on strike and, Really no, it's about is- the only industry in the UK that hasn't had strikes. <laughs> exactly, it's right. They're at the throughout Europe, for that matter. Um, you know, and things like in major markets, uh, you know, India, Australia. You know, their local production can continue as it's been going. So, yes, you're not, you know, you're not going to get the new season. The new Stranger Things is probably a year and a half off. You know, things like that. But which, which is important. I don't want to downplay yeah. it. But if you're not getting the next season of Abbott Elementary in your in the country in the fall. I don't even know if the last season had even aired there yet. You know, there's the way that these things are staggered out sometimes, you know, uh, seasons that have aired here haven't even aired in other markets around the world. So, mm. you know, that's not going to be a, a, you know, a pain point. The thing is about these streamers and even the studios in general is that 
most of their money, even though the subscribers are you know spread out throughout the world, most of the money comes in through the U.S. Sure. So that's really where the the pain is going to be felt. And even if yes, viewership will maintain in other markets, the threat to revenue hit, especially for this Hollywood studios who have a huge core TV advertising business as the core of their revenue up to, you know, uh, their piece on this a little while ago, but up to, you know, anywhere from 35 to 50% of their revenue still comes from their cable TV business, which will be affected by this to an extent. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and look here in the UK, like the late night shows, some of the late night shows do come to some of the sky channels, uh, obviously the streaming right. stuff we do see, you know, people might have to wait a bit longer for what Wednesday season two and things right. like that. Exactly. Yeah. That won't get, probably won't, you know, I mean, Tim Burton shooting Beetlejuice 2 there in, in the UK right now anyway. So it's never, you know, it wasn't even to be shot anytime soon either way. But but also, Ooh, you know... This is, sorry, an interesting question comes to mind. If yeah. American writers are working in, say, the UK mm. on a show and they're members of the WGA, are they on strike even if they're not oh, yeah. in the US? It's not, geo, it's not geo-targeted now. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's an interesting <laughs> thought. They're working on a UK-based show, say. Right, and UK writers could be working on an American because their right. guild is not on strike. Uh, you know, so yes, that's where the, and, but they could, you know, in solidarity, not work on it or things like that. Yeah. But you know, whether you're technically crossing a picket line is one thing. Um, yeah. But then also you have, you know, look, premier leagues going on, sports is still going on. The NFL will be back. You know, the, this kind of the big ratings draws are not on television these days. Sports is, you know, increasingly yeah. a lot of it and that's not going anywhere. Yeah, well, the Premier League just finished a couple of weekends ago. Right. We've got the Champions League final yep. uh, on Saturday. You listed show, but yeah, there'll obviously be the cricket. There's the Ashes over the summer, so there's stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it'll be interesting to watch if people in the UK notice it because one of the reasons I, re- I mean, there's lots of reasons I like to have you on, Sean. But one of them was that we just haven't. This hasn't been a story at mm. all where I am in the UK, but it has been a big issue I know in the US particularly obviously New York and Los Angeles for obvious reasons yes I mean that's the question is how much is this getting outside of the call it the bubble of uh, New York and LA where uh, you know ostensibly the American public may have heard something seen something on TV about it in the evening news you know when when it first happened per se but from a material oh my god my TV has changed uh, you're not really going to see a lot of effects of that until things like SNL aren't back in the fall or thing. You know, my yeah. Blue Bloods isn't back on CBS. You don't start seeing the promos, you know, for the fall seasons coming yeah, in, well, and it's all reality shows. So if my NCIS Hawaii season three is disrupted, <laughs> I'm going to be furious. Sean. Bad news for you. You have to go to Hawaii yourself to go uh, get your fill. So. I'll be furious. Yeah. Uh, let's also talk about how this ends because I think that's what a lot of people will want to know. Because you've said. It's a standoff now. No one's officially ne- negotiated with each other. Have to assume there's lines of communication as there always are with these things, but there's no two sets of negotiators in a smoke-filled room getting something done. Right. Uh, I've seen your colleague, Richard Rushford, and this was uh, a few weeks ago now in his column. He was talking about maybe November, December, things getting bumped till then. Is that still a realistic timeline? Is that a pessimistic timeline? I know you wouldn't dare obviously well i did disagree I, with richard i did well i disagreed well no of course not i would never disagree with richard right, um, sure. uh but i wrote about uh, this today myself in yeah. the wake up newsletter so i kind of put it from a business point of view so in my mind people as you said people don't do stuff called you know pain points people don't do things unless they have to um and there's two issues with the writers big picture one is more revenue which is those residuals we talked about and higher fees for episodes and look money things get negotiated out 
you know, that stuff figures out. And then there's just the structural issue of writers rooms, those mini rooms we talked about and, you know, kind of exclusivity of not being able to take other jobs that the seasons are shorter. These are structural underlying issues that have nothing to really do with money, but more to do with philosophy of how we make television, mm. which is what is going to be the real problem here. I mean, you could see if, in my mind, you know, if the SAG deal gets done, which, you know, they haven't really come out with their list of demands yet. AI is certainly on there in a, in a different way, but I don't know what that is. And then otherwise it's probably again, more money related in that sense. So maybe they'll come to an Yeah, that's just what their residuals too. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Same issues in those regards. Uh, so if that gets, you know, a deal made by end of, end of June here, um, that leaves a couple more months of not a lot of pain because again, the American public isn't feeling it, you know, so on and so forth. And the companies will start to feel pain companies. I mean, I'm kind of really talking really about this, the Hollywood studios now, not the streamers, Apple, Amazon, and Netflix, as I say, really exist in a different business model. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're negotiating as one AMPTP is that's one one sure. unit. There's no so a could there be a split at some point if the Hollywood studios are really uh, their ad you know revenue goes in the toilet in the Q3 when they're all publicly traded companies and you know what is the Wall Street pain going to come in here which I think is what really is going to bring the AMPTP back to the table in a meaningful way to figure this out again no Which, one yeah. does anything until they have to and when are they going to have to my I was it worth it? I kind of laid it out today in the wake up newsletter, yeah, but it's I've like, it uh, you know, I September would be kind of when I'd say they come back. So I would say pr- I'm pretty close to Richard. I would probably hesitate and say October. Um, the all these public companies have earnings calls again in late October, early November. So I would be surprised if that is still ongoing by the time of those earnings calls because delivering more bad news on that, they already have earnings calls this summer which is going to happen in early August in which they'll have to. Yeah. You know, for the just, July quarter for the for Q2. Exactly. Second yeah. quarter. Exactly. Have to project out revenue for Q3 and essentially Q4. And if they're going to say, Hey, our revenue is going down. No wall street. No wall street doesn't like to hear that. No. And, and there's the, a point where investors go, actually, you need to sort this. We can't just have this yeah, rumbling on you're indefinitely. Good, you're not a good investment stock right now. You're, you already, already have those streaming losses and other stuff that's been, you know, uh, have secular issues going on. So that's kind of my guess would be probably somewhere September, October. With the caveat, if the actors do go on strike for a meaningful amount of time, that changes a lot of this because that, you know, as I said, directors can write, to, can direct without, Directors can direct without writers. They can't direct without actors. So, yeah. so it just puts a full stop on the whole business, which changes this whole whole scenario. Yeah. I mean, there was this thing called the upfronts where people talk about, you know, the shows that are coming. That was all quite embarrassing for the studios in the context of the writer's strike. Um, the thing I, I kind of want to end on, actually, though, is are there some advantages to some of the studios, particularly the streamers? And I ask that. Slightly counterintuitive because we know some of the streamers have been wanting to clear content. Um, you know, Disney have taken a write-off, haven't they? Of significant amounts of content. We've seen it in some other places as well. Uh, David Zaslov at Warner Brothers Discovery is very clean to, keen to clear off some stuff, as we discussed last time you were on the show. This kind of gives them an excuse, doesn't it, to have less content if people are not writing the stuff? Yeah, so to it's... a small point, it suits them. Yes, in a short-term sense, you're right. And that's what, and again, goes back to this, hey, you know, like writers are, you know, out and allows us to 
a potentially cancel some deals that we don't want to have anymore because you have certain clauses. It's very particular to individual contracts. This is, you know, sure. it's called force majeure where at a certain point you can cancel a contract. Um, some of them, some contracts have, don't have that in there. So it's not a carte blanche across the board here, but that allows you to save costs or maybe you made a big deal in the streaming boom that you don't want to pay for anymore that hasn't borne out and it allows you to hit the eject button and save some money. Right. You're also not in production any, as, as much anymore. If you're not in production, you're not spending as much money. Clearly, that will eventually Although catch up to Although it's costing them, isn't it? Some of it is costing them the days without production. Yeah, the strike, yeah, so strikes, you know, the picket lines that shut down days of production. Some productions have just hit pause entirely, so that's happened. But again... I mean, the, the, a day of production is estimated, the Hollywood Reporter estimated it, you know, about 200000 to 300000 American dollars per shutdown day, which is not nothing, um, but it's not, you know, it's a cost, but it's not, you know, it is what it is. And then that's why you see production shutting down in total, because if you if those start to mount, they take the hint and say, all right, we're, we're going to call this, you know, we're not going to get anywhere on this. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, short term, but that stops the production. So then you're not spending money anymore as a studio. So like, oh, we have more money here, which short term is fine, but long term, you're lacking products if you don't have. And these, you know, studios all have product TV production arms, which sell to a variety of people, mm-hmm. and they're paid when they deliver episodes. If they're not delivering episodes, they're not being paid. Yeah. So your revenue from Warner Brothers Television, from Disney TV, from you know Universal, you know Universal Television, that is a decent size of their part of their revenue that will not be there in the report. Again, it's not a loss, but you're who wants to see revenue going down? Nobody. So uh, well, not Wall Street. Yeah, exactly right. Which brings so, us back to your your point of what kind of to, that's where I think this will probably net out not any other altruistic or strike shutdown days, which, you know, you have to pull all the leverage you got. Like, you know, as a striking force, you have, you can only do so much. Yeah. One is not right. And one is to stop work as it is as much as you yeah. can. And they're doing that, but the real pain isn't felt until the wall street wisens up. And let's face it, all these top executives, most of their compensation now is in stock options, not in cash. So they feel the pain more when the stock goes yeah. down too. So, you know. Um, and is there public or industry support for the writers? Just as we're talking about all this, it, you know, I was going to say strikes me, but um, it, it occurs to me that a lot of strikes of all kinds depend on public support. Sure. Uh, you know, it's it's great. You know, I mean, uh, President Obama has come out and said things, you, know, <laughs> uh, you know, like, sure, it's not. It's a popular... mean, sorry, is that President Barack Obama with his massive Netflix deal? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, he has, he had a Netflix show that just dropped. So yes, he was out doing some press. So he was asked about this and, you know, uh, Mm. gave a a general statement of support and look, most executives are, you know, they get it. Uh, there, we wrote a piece last week at the, the, the ankler, Peter Kiefer and Nicole Laporte did about, look, these people are, you know, they're in the same schools as these people. They're, you know, it's not like these executives and writers exist in different worlds. Um, it's, and they, and no one, look at, you know, Hollywood executives, Disney just finished 7,000 layoffs. Uh, Warner Bros. is going to lay off more people this summer. So it sounds like it's peachy keen to be an executive in the, in the media business uh, these days either. So, uh, you know, that's it gets to be a little bit of a gray area there in terms of, in terms of that down, down the road for sure. Well, this has all been fascinating. I'm so grateful for you uh, laying this all out for my audience. Where can people keep up with you and your ongoing coverage of this, Sean? Yes, so you can subscribe. I do the Wake Up Newsletter, daily newsletter, Monday to Friday uh, at The Ankler. You can subscribe at theankler.com. We also have a free 
or the, the Ankler has a free uh, strike newsletter called Strike Geist. That's strike, S-T-R-I-K-E, Geist, G-E-I-S-T, strikegeist.com, free of charge. And that uh, our Elaine Lowe, who does a great job, she does a daily evening roundup of all the latest and greatest from the strike world uh, negotiations, executive suites, what's going on on the front lines, what shows are being shut down, all that news and totally free at strikegeist.com. All worth keeping an eye on. I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter and basically anywhere across social media you can find me as at Charlotte A. Henry or at Charlotte A. Henry. Uh, do head over to theaddition.net. You can subscribe to the newsletter there. You can read blog posts there. You can see all sorts of stuff from the edition. So I hope you'll join me there. Sean, thanks once again for joining me and I'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.